It's everyone's favorite golf tournament of the year, and the world's best golfers are in Augusta, Georgia this weekend to compete for the coveted green jacket. And DraftKings, America's top-rated sportsbook app, is putting you in the center of the action by giving you a shot to land on the green. This week, DraftKings is giving you 101 odds on the golfer of your choosing to finish in the top 10. If you have not tried DraftKings, there is no time better than right now. Turning $1 into $100 is simple. Pick any golfer from this weekend's tournament, and if they finish in the top 10, you cash $100. 101 odds and an offer like this doesn't come around often, so sign up for DraftKings Sportsbook now to get in on all of the action and choose your golfer before the tournament tees off Thursday morning. DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable, so you can deposit and withdraw your funds at your convenience. Download the top-rated DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use the promo code TBPN when you sign up to turn $1 into $100 if the golfer of your choice finishes in the top 10 at the Masters this weekend. That's code TBPN to turn $1 into $100 for a limited time only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Must be 21 or older in New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only. New customers only. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com Sportsbook for details. If you have a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER or in Indiana, 1-800-9-WITH-IT. Ladies and gentlemen, basketball fans across the world, welcome back to the Basketball Podcast. It's Gilbert Arenas week here at the Basketball Podcast. I'm Jeremy Brenner, the CEO of Basketball Nostalgia, and we are reflecting on Gilbert Arenas and his Wizards tenure here. I've got Chase Carroll with me. He's the host of the Wizards podcast here on the Basketball Podcast Network, Wizards Walkthrough with Chase. Chase, I know I asked you about 45 minutes ago, considering we record part one and part two back to back, but how are you today? I am still doing wonderful. Probably even better after discussing a little bit of the Wizards uh, Gilbert Arenas era. Hey man, that's what I'm here for. I'm here to make people feel better about themselves, but I'm not sure if you'll be saying the same after this as we're going to be talking about some of the darker days of Wizards history and of the Gilbert Arenas era. And honestly, what makes this story a little bit more fascinating in in my eyes i think just how it how this all comes to be and how this takes a turn and it's an it's an unfortunate turn because it limits our it limits this era for the the wizards and it limits what could have been the legacy of gilbert arenas and how much greater it could have been Absolutely. There is a lot to be uh, desired in the Gilbert Arenas era, especially from Gilbert Arenas. And some of the issues that held him back were his own, but a lot of it was not his own. And I think the main thing that kept him away was injuries and not really the legal issues. He had his legal issues, which we'll get into, I'm sure, here in a little bit. But the injuries are really what derailed his career um, that, that really stopped him from becoming what uh, you know, he he showed early on in his career a 29, 28 point per game score that all of a sudden quickly erased. 
Yeah, so let's pick up right where we left off on our previous episode. Go check that out and take a listen to it. If you haven't listened to this episode, it will definitely provide a little bit more context than just jumping right into the middle of our conversation that we're having this week on Gilbert Arenas Week here at the Basketball Podcast. But they go into 2006 as, once again, in the middle of the pack in the Eastern Conference, they are a five seed are they they're a five seed that year against the cleveland cavaliers who are also in a very similar boat to washington at this point considering the fact that washington had gilbert arenas as their young star and cleveland had a young star of their own that had not proven himself in the playoffs but was given his first chance to do so here against the Wizards in 2006. Absolutely. They faced a young LeBron James, which no one really knew exactly what LeBron James would end up becoming. Uh, he, he showed early on in his career against the Wizards, three straight eliminations of the Wizards. As a young Wizards fan, I hated LeBron James just for probably a whole decade of my life. I disliked LeBron James because of what he did to us those three seasons. And mm-hmm. um, now I've since come to really respect LeBron and really like LeBron. Uh, you have to respect what he's done over his the entirety of his career. But those three Wizards series, I think, are really what catapulted uh, what ended up, ended up becoming what he is today, this, this MVP-level player, this greatest-of-all-time type-level player. Um, mm-hmm. it's, it started against Washington. And I remember, I remember the series growing up, and seeing LeBron, like, LeBron was LeBron at this point. He was, you know, clearly the future of the NBA. He was the he was the chosen one, if you will. But you never really gain your stripes until you go down in the playoffs and you win in the playoffs. And this was his first chance, you know. Is he LeFraud or is he LeBron? <laughs> and I think he proved in this first playoff series that he was LeBron because he was battle-tested in the series. The Wizards did not go away just like anyone in this in this playoff series. They gave the club they gave the Cavs a real good fight. And four of these six games in the series were decided by five points or less. And you know, the Wizards, they take game two in Cleveland. Gilbert Arenas drops 30. Karan Butler and Antoine Jameson have 21 points. And I guess this team, if there was uh, an indictment on this team, it's that they it, after Gilbert Arenas, Antoine Jameson, Karan Butler, they didn't have a whole lot of depth Absolutely. outside of those three guys. Absolutely. They had a couple good big men. Like Brendan Haywood was pretty good. Uh, there, were, there were a couple years of Eton Thomas was pretty good. But, but to your point, yeah, they lacked the depth. Uh, so if a guy like Gilbert Arenas goes down, a guy like Anton Jameson goes down, they were really in trouble. They didn't really have anyone that could fill in and give them consistent minutes in a playoff series, and uh, especially against a guy like LeBron James. There there was really no one there who could stop him. And, yeah. um, I mean, over the course of his career, there haven't been many that could stop him. But uh, that was the first re- real time that he was able to show, yeah, uh, there's no one in this series who's going to stop me, and no one did. Yeah, and then in game three of this series, LeBron kind of takes over. And he is seen as this, you know, for sure 
like the dude and he hits this he hits this uh shot with to go up one with about five seconds to go gilbert arenas has a chance to answer but unfortunately he misses and cleveland steals back game three game four washington handles they win by 10 and then they move on and lebron at 38 in that in that game <laughs> uh that game was uh crazy crazy in in so many ways gilbert arenas at 34 and he made four threes antoine jameson 22 and then game five comes another another tight finish here in game five do you remember game five this was an overtime overtime affair for the wizards and Cavs in, in game five and kind of reminiscent a little bit of the previous year when the wizards were playing against the Bulls in that first round series game five and how crucial that game was. The Wizards would go on to win game six in the series. And this game five, though, doesn't have the same kind of result. To, to kind of walk me through, Chase, what you were thinking going into this into this game. Well, are we talking about game six or game five? Game five. Game five. I honestly don't remember game five. So if I, I have game Probably. six ingra ingrained in my memory very <laughs> Uh, you know, it, it's ingrained. Uh, game five, I could use a little refresher. Probably threw it out of your out of your memory. <laughs> Absolutely, for, for a good reason. So Absolutely. So at this point, the the Wizards go up one with thirty seconds to go. Uh, Arenas drives in the lane, makes turns a layup. They're up one. LeBron gets fouled on the on the other end. He makes his free throws. Then Gilbert Arenas gets fouled. He makes his free throws. And it's just back and forth between LeBron and Gilbert Arenas at this point. And then it really comes down to who gets the ball last. And Gilbert Arenas makes his free throws okay. with about three seconds to go. I'm back with you here. I'm 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 reliving this once yeah, again I'm, through you. I'm remembering I'm you. I'm giving you flashbacks. Um, but then LeBron ends up driving to the rim, gets the two points necessary to win this game and to take that 3-2 lead in the series. And at this point, I think, you know, the Cavs were considered a favorite in the series. They were a 50-win team, whereas the Wizards were a 42-win team. So there was there was a clear – there was a big divide between 4 and 5 this year. Usually there isn't that, that large of a divide between a 4 and a 5 seed. But, I mean, also – the Wizards weren't just going away either, no. and they had proven that they deserved to be in the conversation for one of the top four teams in the East based on their success from the year before. But then we get to game six. Another tight game comes down to the wire, another overtime game, and you said you remembered this one. Uh, feel free to share your pain with us. So I remember this one very well for the reason being this was the first playoff game I ever attended. Um, oh, you know, boy. I, I was eight years old, I believe, at the time. Really excited to see the Wizards. Um, they force overtime, and you know Gilbert Arenas is sitting at the free throw line, getting ready to take two very clutch free throws, 15 seconds left into the game. And LeBron James taps him on the shoulder. He says, Gilbert, if you miss these, we're going to take the ball down the other, other way and score. Something along those lines. And he wasn't wrong. Gilbert Arenas misses both free throws. Uh, you know, one of the 
you know, people forget that he hits just about a half court shot in order to take this to overtime. Um, but that's overshadowed by him missing these two free throws and LeBron and his team taking it down on the other end. He kicks it out to Damon Jones of all people. The guy had didn't score a single point that entire game. And if I remember correctly, he didn't play a single minute until he went into the game on that final possession. They leave him wide open in the corner and LeBron James, the incredible passer he is, kicks it out to him and he drains it. He sends the Wizards home, um, sends me home, not not very happy as an eight-year-old child. And that's one of the games that I'll always remember. It, it, it gave me an opinion on LeBron James for about a decade of my life that uh, <laughs> it, it was hard for me to swallow for sure. That, yeah, I would, I would probably be it would be very hard for me to swallow that too um i can i can think of a similar thing in my life when damian lillard um sent the rockets home in 2014 like and that was cold but for lebron at this point this is lebron james lebron james is not you know who he is today clearly he is just a kid. He's 20, 21, 22 at this point. And he's going up to Gilbert Arenas in the middle <laughs> of the game. And he's saying, like, don't miss. That's how and you that's how you knew exactly what LeBron was going to become. This guy that's was confident. Cold. That's cold. That is that's so cold. cold. Like, that is so cold. That's one of the coldest moments in NBA history, possibly. Especially when you look at the talent around him on that team. The second best player might be what? Anderson Vergeau that year? He, this guy wasn't playing with anyone, and he took the Wizards down in six, basically by himself. And he had a back injury that that's uh, that year from carrying that team. Yeah, <laughs> like absolutely. Somehow he hasn't had many injuries besides this year up until that point. You'd think with the amount of teams he carried on his back during his early Cavaliers era that he'd he'd have a couple more injuries throughout his career. It's it's starting to catch up to him right now. I think. Yeah, especially with him, you know, currently not playing for the Lakers at this point. But the Wizards are sent home by LeBron in 2006. 2007, they are victims to a much more competitive Eastern Conference. And the Wizards, even though they're only one game worse uh, that following season at 41 and 41, they are the seventh seed in the East. And they're once again sent home by LeBron and the Cavs, that series was not as close as the one from the year before. And that's the healthiest Gilbert Arenas was. And he did, you know, and that's kind of where LeBron kind of factors in here and kind of, it kind of ends and it's where kind of the more unfortunate reasons behind Gilbert Arenas not playing to his full, full potential kind of happens and he spends most of the 2007 2008 season on the bench and what was that wizards team like when when gilbert kind of wasn't around and it was really in the hands of karan butler and anton jameson well yeah like you said uh previously the wizards didn't have very much depth uh, throughout the entire Gilbert Arenas era, when you know when they were winning, and especially when they when Gilbert Arenas was hurt, they did not have the guys to really fill in for him. And we saw in the next year in the playoffs when uh, Gilbert Arenas was injured, they were still playing the Cavaliers for their third third straight year. Um, 
Anton Jameson had to really take over and he was, he was able to do that. Um, he was a great second option. And, and for that time being, he, he performed, he had 32 points and 10 rebounds per game uh, during that 2007 series. So he did what he had to do, but um, no one else could really shoulder the load uh, besides really Karan Butler. Karan was a great player in his Wizards tenure, two all-star appearances, probably the best years of his career were with the Wizards. Um, and, and when I think about the good times, I think about how we actually had a big three. Uh, one of the first uh, teams in that era to have a big three, um, three, three different all-stars. So that was you know, that's a that's a good time to remember. But when Gilbert Arenas got injured and it just became a two man show without their top guy, it, it was really tough, tough to to really understand where the direction was going. And, and, you know, I think the Wizards had to make some big decisions on based on that big three after uh, they saw a lot of these injuries. Mm-hmm. And I think when your best player gets injured, and the the shakeup of the team changes it really exposes a lot of the behind the scenes of the team and the the things that you don't really catch on a day-to-day basis when a team is succeeding when a team is doing poorly and when or when a team is not playing up to its potential i think those cracks begin to show and i think at this point in their careers it was kind of you would you kind of got to see a little bit more of these cracks. They started to kind of grow. And I remember when I was watching some Gilbertinas, you know, highlights of this era before we came on today, he he described, I, I was watching him on the jump. He was on the jump around late 2019. He described the Wizards locker room as a bit of a frat house and kind of, you know, they kind of, you know, there was so much going on that, you know, didn't feel like a professional basketball team. Yeah, and that was post Gilbert Arenas era as well. We we saw a lot of Wizards teams over the years have really not had great people on the team. They've had a lot of issues in the locker room or, or even outside the locker room um, just with legal issues. And a lot of it started there with Gilbert Arenas and Javaris Crittenden. Um, the gu- the gun issue in the locker room really set off, uh, you know, a new era of Wizards basketball. They were forced to, uh, you know, Gilbert Gilbert played with the Wizards after this incident, but it definitely uh, really changed the course of what they were going to do moving forward. He he had been injured plenty already, so this was kind of the last straw for Gilbert. What was um, the issues he was having legally, and, and it goes a little bit even beyond this gun incident in the locker room. He had a couple other issues. Uh, after that, that um, you know came, came into the news, but yeah, it's it's it was a tough yeah. era for the Wizards. They had to really this make is... some decisions because they had a lot of you know really just like guys like Nick Young were in the locker room, Andre Blatch. Uh, they ended up getting Javale McGee, so that they they went from the Gilbert Arenas era into something very similar right after it with less talent. Yeah, less. Yeah, if if you're gonna have the issues in the locker room, you need to at least be able to play the game. That's something Gilbert Arenas, he he'll drop a bucket on your head whenever he wants. You know, Nick Young, Javale McGee, or at least during the early days of their career, they were not doing that. Yeah, and you know, talent and success can often mask and you know make. At the end of the day, if your team's winning, your team's winning. Like there there really are no problems. But when you take that away. It allows those those issues to kind of permeate, and 
it, it also makes Gilbert Arenas a little bit more accountable for his actions. You know, it's you don't have as much forgiveness if for an injured superstar doing this than you would have a not injured superstar. And I think, you know, also, first of all, not Gilbert Arenas' finest moment bringing a firearm into the Washington Wizards, you know, like to that, what is it? What is it called now? The Capital One yeah. Arena? Yeah. But at the time it was the Verizon Wireless. Or yeah. before that it was MCI. Like, what? The Wizards Arena. Like, right. what? Like, that's such a public place with, you know, like I work in an arena, an NBA arena. So, like, I know how high security that place is, especially now during like, you know, COVID and stuff. But like, even before then, like super high security place. Why would you break the law in one of the, like where police presence is 24 seven, like it just doesn't make, it's just not one of the smartest decisions that you can make to bring, you know, a firearm when there, look, there are legal provisions in the district of Columbia that you cannot do that. And I don't know why you're doing that into one of the more public places in the district of Columbia. It just doesn't, doesn't add up to me. It's not one of Gilbert Arenas's finest hours. That's for sure. Definitely not. It's the perfect example of how to ruin your career. You know, when you're at the top and now I, I would, I, I guess I wouldn't say he was at the top at that point. He definitely had the injury slowing him down and uh, that probably definitely took a toll on him. Uh, you know, there's obviously no excuse for, for making a decision that boneheaded, but um, when you're not playing, you're, you're upset. You're uh, not thinking as clearly as you probably would be if you were just suiting up every single day for game day. He, he probably yeah. had enough of, of whatever was going on in that locker room and you know, you're not so playing. You're from that incident happened around Christmas Eve, 2009 so at this point in the wizard in our timeline that we've kind of crafted for ourselves here the wizards had a poor year in 0809 they won 19 games and a lot of that had to do with the fact that gilbert arenas was hurt he only Definitely. played two games that season the depth was not enough to kind of withstand you know karan butler missed a chunk of games as well so the team just wasn't talented enough to stay in the stay in the thick of things in the Eastern Conference, and it, it really showed. But then in 09-10, it was like, okay, well, maybe Gilbert Arenas comes back. Maybe we can, you know, develop some of our younger players. Maybe we can kind of piece this thing back together. But Gilbert Arenas was hurt. Karan Butler did not stay on the floor either. It was just not not ideal for for a team, and like none of the players fit the timeline anymore. And it was no, just a matter no. of time before the team was going to be broken up. And then you add this on top of it with with uh, with Gilbert Arenas and Javaris Crittenden. Yeah, I mean, so in 2010, that was the start of the John Wall era. 2009 mm -hmm. was such a bad year. That's um, you know, obviously they, they wanted they John Wall to yeah. erase a lot of that. Yeah. They, they played in an era where, you know, obviously 19 games, they're going to get the, they, they got the first pick. You get the first pick. You got to take the best player in that class, no matter who it is. You know, uh, Gilbert Arenas was in the building, but that does not stop you from drafting a guy like John Wall. So for a little bit there in 2010, people forget that Gilbert Arenas actually played alongside John Wall for a few games before he was traded to the, uh, Orlando Magic, uh, mm -hmm. just just 21 games played for the Wizards in 2010, but 
Uh, he was still hampered by those injuries. He was clearly not the player he once was pre-injury. So they decided it was the right time to ship him off and, and let John Wall really do his thing. Uh, so a part of me wishes that we could have seen both of them at the same time, you know, maybe for a little bit longer. But it was the right choice to to get rid of Gilbert Arenas at that time. And, and we saw he, he played for two teams after that, the Magic and the Grizzlies, and he really didn't show much uh, to, to keep his career going beyond that. So it was, it was really the injuries that hampered him. And, uh, it was really unfortunate to see, especially, uh, you know, late on in his career, he couldn't step foot on the court really at all. Many leg injuries. Um, you never want to see that with, with one of your favorite players and one of the top players in the game. Some, someone kind of like reminds me of Brandon Roy, a guy that just never really reached his top potential because, injuries held him back and those two are both two guys I think would have been two of the best in the game uh, we'd be talking about them as two of the best players to ever play the game had they just not seen these injuries early on in their career imagine like a Wizards Blazers rivalry because they meet in the finals every every year because <laughs> yeah. it's Brandon Roy and Gilbert Arenas I could totally see that maybe we'll see that uh, in, in an alternate universe some, someday. Yeah, I think it has to be an alternate universe now with how, how the Wizards are being run these days. But yeah. That's so looking back, it's been over 10 years since Gilbert Arenas has played a basketball game for the Washington Wizards. You look back on this era of Washington Wizards basketball, you had some success. You had a lot of promise that a lot of that promise kind of went unfulfilled. What Looking back on the era, what is one way that you look at it and and what do you think is Gilbert Arenas' legacy not just with the NBA and his career but with the Wizards and how is he perceived today in, in the DC area so I I would say that 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 little stretch of few years the Wizards had despite being knocked out in the first round those three years by the Cavaliers I'd argue that that was the peak of the Wizards over the last, you know, 10, 20 years was was that era of basketball, the the Gilbert Arenas era. It exceeds the John Wall era, in my opinion, although, you know, John John Wall did get to the second round multiple times as well. Um, I, I just felt like the Gilbert Arenas era was at a higher high than than those ever were because interesting it, it yeah it it brought the fandom back into D.C. Uh, it, was, it was really lacking. Um, it brought excitement. And I think part of that is probably just me having been grown up during that era. I was eight years old and, and just loving Wizards basketball. That's what mm -hmm. brought me into it. But, um, you know, I know Gilbert Arenas is still loved in the D.C. area. He's very respected. His, his basketball mind is truly impressive. If you've ever just sat and listened to him talk, um, he's got an incredible basketball mind. So, I know a couple of people that, that I know have actually advocated for Gilbert Arenas to be on uh, the Wizards coaching staff. And I honestly, it wouldn't be the craziest thing uh, I've ever heard. I know hey, Scott yeah. Brooks's contract is up at the end of the year. Yeah. Hey, he can't do much worse. That's what I'll say. But he Nash went <laughs> yeah. from like uh, went to head coach straight away. It was never like a truly, I know he was part of the Warriors, you know, front office, but you know, he he never was really like an assistant coach. Maybe we could see something similar with Gilbert Arenas. Yeah, Can right. You imagine Gilbert yeah. Arenas and Russell Westbrook, Gilbert Arenas and Bradley Beal all together. Oh, how do, <laughs> see if he? That's, I don't know if I want him to be head coach. I don't know if I want him to be head coach. I'll t I'll take him on the bench in some way, but 
hey, but he couldn't be worse than Scott Brooks has been doing this year, I don't think. So, uh, hey, if, if that's what they need to do in order to jumpstart this team, by all means, bring in Agent Zero for a, for a second stint here. Yeah, well, thank you, Chase, for coming to talk Gilbert Arenas basketball with me. Uh, feel free to explain your podcast to the listeners, the Wizards Walkthrough, and talk about what you've got working on. And feel free to drop your Twitter handle and any links that you have in the process. So, yeah, you can find my podcast, The Wizards Walkthrough with Chase Carroll. Find that just about anywhere podcasts are distributed. Apple Podcasts, Spotify, all of those good things. Um, I'd like to talk about, uh, I, I'm going to be talking about here up in the coming weeks, what's going to be happening for the Wizards moving forward. Because I, I don't think many in the fan base these days are really caring about the present. I don't think too many are are pushing for, for the playoffs like the team is claiming they want to, they, they want to make the playoffs. I think people want to hear about the bigger picture here. Uh, what, what are the Wizards going to be doing next offseason in order to make this an actual competitive team if, if there is any moves they can make? So I'll be discussing that. Uh, you can find my Twitter at Chase Carroll underscore. See, that's, this is why this works because I don't think a lot of people like talking about the present. Especially with, with, you know, with a lot of their teams, I feel like there's very few teams that are really, really super excited about the present, like a state of affairs with their team. So that's why you talk about the future and I talk about the past. So (laughs) it works perfectly. But thank you so much, Chase, for coming on this week. And thank you, listeners, for tuning in to this episode of the Basketball Podcast. Be sure to subscribe and download the podcast wherever you listen to your podcast. We are on all available uh, on majority of available platforms I don't want to say all just in case there is yeah. like a, a bootleg or like a small one that you know I'll revise my statement as well Mo- most <laughs> most pla- uh, platforms app of there. choice how about that we'll <laughs> yeah the app of choice and you can follow the passable podcast we have episodes every tuesday and wednesday discussing the past of past of basketball i almost say you know Basketball. It's such a it's such a perfect name combination. It, like, it, it really act, does. You it accidentally really say it sometimes. Yeah. That's how that, good it is. That yeah. And honestly, it's a very it's a very good thing at this point. But I'm also working on a project here on NBA 2K where we take the league, my league, the my league mode in the game. We get a roster from the year 2000 and we let the game do its course. And see if history repeats itself in in the eras of in the eras of NBA basketball throughout the last twenty years. It's a really exciting project that I've worked on for almost a year now since quarantine started, pretty much. And now we're kind of seeing it for uh, people to consume and to you know take on. So that is coming very soon. So keep an eye out for that on social media. And you can also follow me on Twitter at Jeremy Brenner. That's J-E-R-E-M-Y-B-R-E-N-E-R for more content. So again, thank you guys so much for tuning into this episode. And until next time, rewind and be kind.